1: Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone Philadelphia, right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. My name is Amy Johnson, and I'm joined every week by my wonderful co-host. He is our editor-in-chief and founder of Rocket Sports Media, and that is Rick Stevens. How are you feeling post-trade deadline today,
0: sir? I'm feeling fine, thanks. <laughs> and I guess, uh, since you're here... Yeah. Because last, last week you said, um, you know, you're going to use DraftKings and... Shut up. And the Masters. Shut up. And there was something about Fiji and...
1: Shut up. I had three really good DraftKings Masters Tournament drafts. Uh-huh. In fact, one of my drafts had... Will Zalatoris in it?
0: Oh, didn't everybody's? I mean, really? No.
1: <laughs> I had Will Zalatoris in one of my lineups. Right. And Will Zalatoris performed very well for me, except that like two other Nobody guys else? in that draft missed the cut. So okay. Um,
0: nope. I did
1: okay. You know, I had Dustin Johnson. I had I had Corey Connors. I had Will Zalatoris, I had Jordan Spieth. I had uh, Webb Simpson. Mm-hmm. I had Phil Mickelson who actually made the cut. Um, Rory did not. Rory, Ma- Rory McIlroy had a really rough first two rounds. So, I mean, I had decent players. It just didn't, Connors. it just didn't come. I said then, Corey Connors. Okay. And he, I mean, he sunk an ace.
0: We got to get the Canadian in there. He's in there. Okay.
1: It's a Philadelphia show. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're saying we're going to get the Canadian in there. <laughs> um, Yeah, you know, I just didn't have the right combination all in the same draft. They were spread out across my three drafts.
0: Hmm. Well, keep with it. I will. There's other sports, you know.
1: There are. Actually, basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. Um, And, you know, while some teams are locks to make the playoffs, others are really still fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. And uh, Draft, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. And and turning $1 into $100 is simple. You just pick any basketball team to win their next game. And if during that game the team of your choosing hits a three, you bring home $100 in free bets.
0: That's 100 to 1 odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three. They don't even need to win.
1: (laughs) This year, teams have been hitting threes at an unprecedented pace, so get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook before this offer ends.
0: DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience.
1: Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a 3. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. <laughs> Promo code THPN. Uh-huh. We love it. The Hockey uh, Podcast Network. That's right. The Hockey Podcast Network. I'm going to do one more quick plug. This is completely off script. This is un, uh, unsolicited. But um, one of our sister podcasts, we have the Press On Philadelphia... We have the Press Zone Montreal, which is the Montreal edition where we talk about the Canadians and and their AHL affiliates. And also part of Rocket Sports Radio is, uh, Rick, your podcast with uh, Joe Whalen that is all about the Montreal Canadiens, and that's called Canadians Connection. And I know the Flyers fans listening to this podcast are thinking, oh, why are we talking about the Canadians? Because there is an interview that I think uh, that it doesn't matter what team uh, you are a fan of or a supporter of um, there's an interview that Rick and I did uh, that appeared on the Canadians connection in a special episode earlier this week. So it is only the, the episode is only this special interview. It doesn't have anything to do with the Canadians, but it was an interview uh, for the hockey podcast network uh, kind of introducing a new podcast that's about to appear on the network. And it's hosted by NHL legends Theo Flurry, along with Eric Cusin and Darren Ravel. And it's called We're All a Little Crazy. And it's uh, their podcast is is, as they say, it's it's out to change the messaging and the way people talk about mental health in today's society and and the approach that the media takes uh, in discussing mental health and how people deal with trauma in their lives and and in the lives of their loved ones. And so Rick and I sat down with Theo Fleury and Eric Cuson for a very lengthy, uh, compelling, fascinating emotional conversation um, both introducing and, and just talking about what their podcast is going to be about but also getting into their realities of the struggles and the challenges they've both faced in some really dark times in their life uh, when dealing with with mental health and and coming out of that and healing um, so there's some really there's some really tough moments in the conversation there's some really uplifting and hopeful moments um, it's an interview that Every single person, uh, hockey fan, sports fan, or just anyone in general, uh, really should hear. And so, if you go to CanadiansConnection.fm, you'll find that special podcast that's just the interview of us talking to Theo Fleury. Um, and and I highly encourage everyone to check that out.
0: It's the most recent episode in the Player Canadians Connection bonus episode. Uh, as you said, it's it's all about. Uh, mental health. And, um, you know, Theo Fleury and uh, Eric Hewson are, are icons uh, now in the field. They mm-hmm. have people coming forward to them. And so they, they are able to to uh, talk about it in, in ordinary terms, uh, very direct, blunt terms. And, and uh, it's something uh, that uh, you're going to want to listen to.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, here on the Press Zone, it's, that's, one of the things that we aim to do to be a little different is we we like to sit down and have those long-form conversations with uh, former NHL players or folks in the media or people that just have a good story to tell. Um, we lo- That's that's what we like to bring to you, the listeners, um, and so that's why we're encouraging you to go listen to that. Today's episode of the Press Zone Philly is one you're not going to want to miss. We're having one of those great conversations with someone today, uh, former flying. Flyers defenseman Brad Marsh is joining us today for a long conversation, a uh, really fun conversation. Uh, both about you know reminiscing a little bit about his time with the Flyers, but also talking about his work with the Flyers alumni group, as well as being uh, so involved and, and coaching the Flyers Warriors program. Uh, so Brad is coming up here in just a little bit. We're going to talk to him in the second segment today. You don't want to miss that. Uh, before we get there in the first segment, though, we are going to. Talk talk about uh, those Philadelphia Flyers and um, what they did, what Chuck Fletcher did uh, during the trade deadline yesterday, a couple of moves that were made. We'll we'll break those down and also give you an update on what's happening in the AHL with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And then, uh, as we said, that second segment will be completely dedicated to Brad Marsh and all of the great things that he's currently doing with the Flyers. And then in the third segment, we're going to wrap things up. By going around the AHL, we'll introduce you to this week's CCM AHL Player of the Week. We'll give you a standings update, and we've got a feel-good finale for you, of course. Lots to talk about, mm-hmm. and it's a great interview with Brad. You're not going to want to miss that. But first, let's get to business. Uh, yesterday was the trade deadline. Uh, a lot of folks were wondering if, flyers, if the Flyers were going to be sellers, um, you know, it's no secret that the Flyers have been struggling, uh, and it's no secret that it's been ever since their COVID nineteen shutdown before they went to Lake Tahoe. That ever since they came back from that, um, despite a, a, a good game when they first came out of that that pause, um, it's been a struggle ever since then from top to bottom. Um, coaches have said it players have said it um and there's they're just shooting themselves in the foot practically every night uh even even the nights that they come out with a win it's not done easily um, and so what's chuck what was chuck flesher going to do was he going to be a big seller was he going to make, make a big move now he said that he wasn't going to and and quite frankly he didn't make any real big moves but Ricky moved two players out um one of which was a excuse me, a one-year contract that just simply didn't work out the way uh, management probably thought it was going to. And the other one is a long-term player who's, you know, he's put in a lot of time uh, with the Flyers. Uh, he's He's got a good following. He's got a lot of friends on the team, but it was just time to part uh, with this particular forward. So we'll we'll start with the the one-year contract that didn't work out, and, and that was Eric Gustafson getting shipped off to Montreal.
0: And uh, it was a case of, um, yeah, Chuck Fletcher said this. This uh, Clearly, it wasn't working. And um, Gustafson had uh, become a regular healthy scratch of late and has been a healthy scratch all of April. Um, as you said, a one-year signing, it, you know, it, it's it may have started well, but um, clearly it didn't work. Um, the, the, the odd assist didn't... Um, Offset the the uh, numerous turn, turnovers and poor defensive play, and and um, it was um, you know if there was a surprise during the trade deadline, it was that there was a taker for Eric Gustafson, <laughs> and, the, and that and um, that you know uh, I think Fletcher was to be commended for um the asset management in getting something back um mm-hmm. in a in a in a pick for um for Eric Gustafson
1: and that's you know that's no slight against Eric Gustafson it's just in today's market the fact that he's struggling to stay in the lineup on the third pairing on this Flyers team that has been doing so poorly defensively this season um that's that's you know that's not an an easy asset to necessarily move to get much for in in return, um, but as you say he 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 found a taker in Mark Bergevin. Um, Canadians fans are are quite excited about it. Um, You know, I think they're more focusing on, uh, you know, the 60-point season that Eric Gustafson had a couple of years ago and not so much uh, his current uh, performance. Um, Now, whether or not he can get back to that kind of playing in a new situation, in a new city, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. Uh, There's not a whole lot of season left, but the the Canadians are likely playoffs-bound, so he may get a little more time to, to get his game back then than he would have in Philadelphia but um, a smart move by Chuck Fletcher it's unfortunate it didn't work out um, and and all the best to Eric Gustafson um, the more difficult pill for at least some of the dressing room to swallow and certainly some fans as well was the departure of Michael Roffel going to the Capitals um, in fact um, this all came of course the big question was uh, there was a lot of rumors going, and and Chuck Fletcher confirmed it that there were conversations about trading Scott Lawton. That ended up not happening, and instead they inked Lawton uh, during the day to a five year contract extension. Um, and so Scott Lawton is in Philly to stay for a while. It's great news for him. He just got engaged a couple of weeks ago, um, and he he did say that one of you know the guy who helped him run through the surprise proposal was none other than Michael raffle the two of them are very close um, and so there were a lot of bittersweet comments um, from players uh, in the last 24 hours or so about uh, seeing Michael raffle leave um, and and raffle is another one you know he's he's currently injured he's a couple of weeks away from coming from being healthy again so he's not he's not going to play right away for Washington of course. Um, but I think Rick, I think this was, I, I think this was the right move for Chuck Fletcher, you know, um, moving Raffle out means Tanner Lazinnski can continue to to get slotted in, and he's been he's been doing well in the AHL. It gives him a, Fletcher more of an opportunity to get guys like him in. He's called Wade Allison up to the taxi squad as well. So I think I think this the writing on the wall is that Chuck Fletcher wants to start seeing what he's got uh, coming up for the pipeline.
0: Well, it, you know, Raffel was on an expiring contract, uh, so you you get an asset back for him, and and in doing so, you make room for Lazinsky, Allison. Uh, you know, it's the same thing that uh, Chuck Fletcher said about Gustafson um that that the there were players that were were there to step in uh in Sam Moran and uh and with Gostaspeer playing a little bit better this mm-hmm. this year. So um you know it's uh and and the you know Chuck Fletcher had said he, he wasn't quite sure what he was going to do with Lawton when he got up that morning, whether he'd be trading him or, or re signing him. Uh, resigning him to give uh, Scott Lawn a, a a pretty nice raise, uh, mm-hmm. going from seven hundred thousand to uh, a three million dollar uh, cap hit's not bad, and and uh, and 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 that's a manageable uh, piece for the Flyers uh, and some cost certainty over over the next five years.
1: Absolutely. So we will see. You know. So so right now it's 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 more of moving out extra roster. Spots making way for some of the younger guys to come in and see what they can do in what's left of this season as the Flyers kind of keep putting themselves farther and farther away from being able to make that that last playoff spot. Um, they continue to struggle. Uh, let's just hope that they can find uh, something to to be positive about here uh, as as they come down the stretch. Um the other reason that Chuck Fletcher, our our friend Bill Meltzer, had had put this out that when he, after Chuck Fletcher did his his um, post trade deadline press conference, he then hopped on uh, with with Bill Meltzer to do to record an interview um, for flyers uh, for one of the Flyers podcasts, and Meltzer had put out that he had you know Chuck Fletcher had basically confirmed that part of the reason that he. Called Tanner Lasinski and Wade Allison up so quickly um, this past weekend, uh, not only to get start getting them into the lineup, but the Phantoms have are now in uh, a three-game COVID nineteen protocol shutdown affecting the Phantoms. Uh, there isn't uh, a lot of. Um information available about that at the AHL level. We just know that um, both their Saturday and Sunday game ended up getting postponed. And then as early as yesterday, trade deadline day, they had already announced, the league had already announced that the Phantoms were postponing Wednesday's game for this week. So it sounds like there's... um, uh, a little bit of an uncertain situation happening for the lehigh valley phantoms which is very unfortunate uh we don't know yet if they will have more postponements as the week goes on fingers crossed uh that hopefully everybody gets healthy and that everyone's okay um but yes so pulling lisinski and allison out of there immediately um was also um part of the part of the thinking there as well so fingers crossed hoping everything's okay in allentown and uh We'll see how the Flyers can handle things uh, coming down here the stretch. We are going to take a quick break. Uh, When we come back, tremendous interview that we have coming for you. You don't want to miss it. Some great stories, some good laughs, and some really, really heartwarming initiatives uh, that Brad Marsh, former Flyers defenseman, is going to tell us all about. So don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss it. Come back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and All American Hockey League news. passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today. And welcome back to the Press Zone, Philly, right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. You can find me on Twitter at FlyersRule, and you can find Rick at AllHabs. And, of course, uh, you can also find all of our Flyers and Phantoms coverage if you follow at the Report. On Twitter, at the Flyers Report, at the AHL Report uh, are the best places for you to follow all of our Philadelphia coverage. Well, Flyers fans, Rick and I are honored to be joined today uh, with a tremendous uh, first-time guest, uh, and that would be former Flyers NHL defenseman Brad Marsh is here with us today. Brad, thank you so much for taking some time to join us here on
2: the Press Zone Philadelphia. Well, hey, happy to be here, and thanks for having me, and I look forward to the conversation.
0: The conversation, uh, if you don't mind, uh, if we can take a, a short trip down uh, memory lane and talk uh, and remind Flyers fans uh, about your career. Um, and as we talked uh, just before we went on air, uh, you, you said you grew up in the London area, played for the played your junior hockey for uh, the London Knights, uh, great organization in in the OHL. You paired there with uh, Rob Ramage and and. Uh, uh, along the way, you picked up a, a couple of medals, uh, playing for Team Canada at the World Juniors. Uh, then you were drafted by the Atlanta Flames. Uh, no, not the Atlanta Thrashers, the Atlanta Flames back then. Uh, the 1978 um, amateur draft, as it was called, a number 11 overall. The Flyers at that point had picked up uh, Kenny Lindsman as number 7. Uh, you went off to the Flames. Um And then the Flames relocated to Calgary, and uh, you became a very young captain of the Calgary Flames, uh, and then were involved in a trade uh, uh, that included Mel Bridgman uh, going to the Flames. You went to the Flyers, and uh, that's where you spent uh, the majority of of your seven seasons. You had 15 seasons overall in the NHL, um, 1,000 games, 13 seasons in the playoffs, but but it was Philadelphia where that connection was and and can you just talk about what made it so special to be in Philadelphia and part of the Flyers
2: well the Flyers you know I was I was still a kid growing up in London Ontario I shouldn't say kid I was playing junior hockey but you know, the Flyers uh, burst onto the NHL scene in uh, 1967 as an expansion team, but obviously everybody remembers the Broad Street Bullies. Uh, they, they changed the way the game of hockey was played for a number of years, number of decades perhaps. And you know, as a as a junior hockey player watching them, and then their toughness and their fighting and their brash style, it, it carried over into junior hockey. And junior hockey at that time was very was very tough as well. And so uh, it was kind of neat uh, to uh, you know be traded uh, to the to the Flyers from the Flames uh, coming in my first year, as you said, it was in 1978, and so. I tell you what, it was an intimidating team to play against and a very intimidating place to play, the old Spectrum. And uh, we were fortunate in Atlanta. We also had a very big team, a very tough team. And so when we played the Flyers, they were very good, hard-hitting, hard-fought hard, hard games, uh, and uh, a lot of great memories from those early matchups as a kid. Uh, a rookie in the NHL coming into the spectrum and playing Bobby Clark and playing Paul Holmgren and, and -hmm. and so on and so on and and facing the flyer fans that there was an incredible atmosphere. And so before,
0: if if I can just uh, add before trade, before being traded to the flyers um, for Mel Bridgman, you actually had a fight with Mel Bridgman when you were Atlanta, he was with the flames and, and part of that toughness that you're talking about, you you both, I I watched the, the fight uh, wow, um, you both uh, t- t- two tough guys.
2: Yeah, well, it, it, it's it's funny because uh, Mel Bridgman, I uh, had my first—I don't know if it was my first fight—but I had a, a big fight against Mel Bridgman. I scored my first NHL goal against the Flyers, <laughs> and then a couple of years later, I was I was traded, as you said, and, and it was one of the very rare times it happens in professional sports—a captain for captain trade. But then fast forward uh, you know to the, my last year in the NHL, the Ottawa Senators first year back into the NHL 92 and 93. Uh, uh, Mel Bridgman was the general manager of the <laughs> Ottawa Senators. And so it's funny how there' was so many connections yeah. you know with Mel uh, uh, throughout my career, but back to to uh, uh, to Atlanta and philly and and uh, we also met in the playoffs and we went seven games in the quarterfinals and it was unbelievable. We went up three games to one, and the Flyers, the, you know, they won Game Five in the Spectrum, and then we they came out to Calgary. They won Game Six, and so Game Seven. Game Seven in the in the Spectrum was what an atmosphere that was with mm-hmm. Kate Smith singing, and and <laughs> uh, it was just an unbelievable atmosphere. And we were very I shouldn't say fortunate. Like I said, we had a good team in Atlanta, but uh, uh, Bruce Hood was the referee. Uh, mm. Ben Wilson. Uh, who was you? Also, he was drafted the same year I was. He took a penalty for uh, closing his hand on the puck. I still remember but I can visualize the play, <laughs> and uh, we scored on that power play and uh, kind of broke the ice. You guys have been around hockey long enough, and sometimes when you get that first little, uh, the first little break, that's right, you can take advantage of it. Boy, oh boy, the floodgates open, and so we end up winning four-one. But you know, if Ben doesn't take that call, uh, take that penalty. Uh, and we might not score that first goal, and then yeah. anyhow, so we win in Game Seven. And uh, from what I hear, like the following year, we had a lot of injuries to our center, Iceman, and the Flyers. Bob Daly broke his ankle uh, in uh, just at the start of the season, and uh, they were thin on defense, and so kind of set the table for uh, for a trade for center for defenseman. And from what I hear after the fact, that I had a very good playoff. Um, against the flyers and so that kind of stuck in keith allen's uh uh back of his brain and then when he had an opportunity he made a trade for me so it was kind of cool coming to philly because we battled so hard um against each other uh but um it was it was uh, unique walking into the dressing room and seeing billy barber and, and bobby clark and mm-hmm. and uh and and so on and so on. And, and, and just the atmosphere walking into the dressing room, it was, it was cool. What was,
1: what was that environment and that, and that culture in that locker room like for you for the years that you were there? What, what was the experience of being a Flyers during that being, being a part of the Flyers during that time period really like?
2: Well, I say this often and people are quite surprised. Like, like I said, we come we had a very good team in Atlanta, uh, lots of points, lots of wins, but we never won the first round. We never got out of the first round of the playoffs for various reasons. and uh, um, but as soon as I walked into the flyers dressing room, I knew there was something different. I knew the attitude was different. I knew the focus was different. Um, their practices were more intense and way harder than our practices were previously that I experienced in, in, in my years with Atlanta slash Calgary. And just the attitude from day to day that we're here to win. And in order in order for us to win, we have to outwork everybody, outplay everybody, and if necessary, beat the crap out of everybody. <laughs> and it was just a different attitude from start to finish. The attention to detail was was meticulous from Mr. Snyder all the way down to how you put the tape on your socks, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, and of course it was all led by uh, by uh, Bob Clark.
1: So, your your experience in Philadelphia, uh, as we were talking before before we started the segment about how it's it's just within the last handful of years that you've you've returned to Philadelphia, um, and and since then have become very involved with the Flyers, with the Alumni Association, with uh, community development in the organization, and so on and so forth. How much of of that positive experience you had and and that different work ethic and and sense of pride that that Flyers dressing room had uh, really contribute to you wanting to be so involved uh, at this stage in your life?
2: Well, the thing is, is players from my era and before, I, I was kind of the last era of players that we knew we had to work when we retired from playing hockey. <clears throat> Obviously, any professional athlete now, yes, some, many of them go into business, uh, but they don't have to. Like, they don't have to work. But our generation, um, we knew we had to go to work. And so when I retired from the Senators, I, it was my first job that I ever had that didn't require putting on skates. And, uh, you know, I was hired as director of team and business development for the Ottawa Senators, which was great. And it it enabled me to do a whole bunch of things with hockey, a whole bunch of things with sponsorship and meeting people. I started their foundation up there. So anyhow, but I also got very involved in the alumni. Uh, I started the Senators alumni and, and ran them for oversaw them with a number of the other guys for like 22 years uh, while I lived there. And it was great. It was great getting the, the old guys together and, and giving back to the community, whether it's through a charity hockey game or a golf tournament or whatever it is. And I'm also very in, uh, involved with the NHL alumni. I sit on the board of the NHL alumni. And so when I came back to, uh, to Philadelphia, uh, Paul Holmgren was still the president uh, of the team and, uh, you know, we started talking about they had an opening for someone to work in the community development side of things. And so one thing led to another. I got the job, and then they asked if I would, uh, you know, kind of step in with the alumni as well and uh, and uh, get them on track. And uh, it's it's fun. And the, the fun is, is you've often heard, when players retire, what they miss the most. It's the dressing room. It's the guys. And so when you're involved with the alumni – it gives you an opportunity to relive those hockey moments that you had. And when, if you ever get an opportunity, <coughs> pardon me, to come to an alumni event, it's just, just sit on the outside of the circle and listen to the guys talk and tell stories. It's, it's fabulous. And it's so neat to see uh, a flyer, or for that matter, any, any, any guy that played professional sports, when they get together with their old teammates, and it's really neat when you get a guy that played for the Flyers in the 60s or the 70s, and they're sitting telling stories with guys (laughs) who played in the 90s and the 2000s, and guess what? The stories really aren't that different, just the time has changed, and the names have changed, but uh, just to see this, so that's what's rewarding about the alumni, is the good times that we recreate, and in the process, we're able to not only recreate and bring the guys together, but we raised some significant money for uh, for the uh, Philadelphia area in in this case.
0: As part of that uh, community development and, and outreach, and and you talk about. Um the, the guys again, re, being reacquainted with the guys you're involved with a new group of guys, uh, now, and that's the, the flyers edition of the, the hockey warrior program. Wondered if you could, uh, tell us uh, what it is and, and, uh, the team that you have and who who you play and, and, uh, the kind of sponsorship that it takes to keep that kind of program running. And we should say that, uh, you're the head coach of the flyers warriors.
2: Yeah. Chief coach. Chief cook and bottle washer. <laughs> um, you know, with the program, a, a little history. The program, uh, started, uh, we got a phone call in flyer land from, uh, a veteran and it was a simple phone call, um, up, uh, his initial call. They put him through to Rob bear who works in the community development, the community development department with me. And, uh, so he took the call and says, hi, my name's Rick Stavino. Uh, I'm a veteran. I love hockey, and I need someone to help help me start a veteran hockey team. And uh, it was as simple as that. You know, pick up the phone and make a call. And uh, so, anyhow, long story short, uh, you know, we met up with with Rick. We had our, our first uh, our first on ice session was December second of two thousand and eighteen. We had a learn to skate program. Thirty eight veterans came out. Uh, we gave them skates if they needed them. We gave them helmets if they needed them. They all got a Flyers uh, uh, camo jersey as well. And from there, we gauged a lot of some people were just kicking the tires, as you can imagine. Uh, oh, we're getting free stuff? I'm coming. <laughs> uh, but uh, from there, we had our first official practice at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, we had about uh, 16 players show up for it. And as, as you said, I'm the coach uh, of the team. I oversee the program. Uh, as well, and and uh, and so I skated the crap out of them at first practice, <laughs> and it was and it was great. They loved it, and so we said, hey, right from the get-go, um, I said to them, our goal here is to develop this warrior program so we can compete with the other warrior teams that are in the United States, and it was as simple as that. And so the program started to grow, and uh, you know, was, you know, people would hear about it. Oh, can I come out? Yep, yep, yep. So. Uh, remember the outdoor game Flyers uh, versus Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. And uh, every time there's an outdoor game, there's a legacy grant uh, from the NHL and from the team that is hosting the, the game. In this case, it was Philadelphia. So they each put in from the proceeds of of the event, they each put in $25,000, totals 50000 wow. And they award that. Um, um, the award a legacy grant to whoever the host organization selects. And so about uh, two months before the outdoor game there, the stadium series game, and you know, the word came to the flyers. Okay. We want some submissions to, to where the the money can go to. And of course I'm pushing, uh, let's give it to the warriors. Let's start a warrior team. Uh, First of all, the Warrior team is, is is a team for, yes, veterans, but for disabled veterans. Uh, they are all have a standing disability. So it's not sled hockey where they're missing a limb or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're all standing disabled. And when they're discharged from the military, uh, part of their discharge papers is they're given – uh, their disability rating. Cause every, they're like old hockey players. Everybody's got something wrong with them. <laughs> so, anyhow, uh, so they all have their rating. And, uh, um, so we were pushing me and Rob, uh, who took the first phone call, uh, we were pushing for, uh, for the grant to go to start a warrior pro a program. And of course there's some other great, uh, there were some other great suggestions or ideas or thoughts. But in the end, we won. Uh, we won our bid. And mm-hmm. so the Warriors uh, were granted, were given $50,000. Uh, we hosted them, at a great luncheon. We had a, a meeting in the Flyers dressing room and a nice, some nice speeches and some nice talks and welcome to the team. And then we had a nice lunch afterwards. They all came to the outdoor game. And they got $50,000 and we took that $50,000 and we bought a year's worth of ice time
0: Wow and
2: we bought our first jerseys. And now our jerseys are, are meticulous, as you can imagine being, you know, mil- everyone's military. They're all hand stitched, hand embroidered. Um, each of their hockey pants has their military division embroidered in through their hockey pants, Marine, army, air oh, force, wow. et cetera. So it's really cool. It's really cool. And and so anyhow, uh, just like with the Flyers alumni, kind of when I, when I stepped in uh, to, to work with the guys there, our goal four years ago with the Flyers alumni or five, five years ago with the Flyers was to make the alumni self-sufficient so we can we can continue to, to operate and we don't need help from anybody. And when I say help, I mean financial help. Like we we're capable of raising our own money and so on and so on. And so our alumni, we've raised a million bucks in the last four years and donated it to various charities. And so when the Warriors got this first $50,000 grant and we spent it on ice time, which was great because it allowed us to improve, um, that was the goal right from the get-go. Okay, this Warrior program has to be self-sufficient because we can't we can't you know sit around and, and, and be dependent on Who's going to give us some money now? So our program is the best in the United States, in my opinion. Very self-sufficient, very healthy. We fundraise. We have sponsorship. And so anyhow, I'm sorry to keep talking like this and not giving you guys no, a No, it's camp- good. But anyhow, <laughs> this is really cool. Uh, so we started the team, as I said, with the Learn to Skate program. Uh, we have our first practice in January, first official practice in January at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, we we start growing. We're adding new players. We got a team. We're looking pretty good. We have training camp. We mimicked the Flyers' training camp in 2019. We were on the ice at the Skate Zone. We did off ice. We did fit, uh, physical fitness testing, and, and we did it. It was awesome. And then uh, our first exhibition game was uh, before the Flyers' first exhibition game that year against the. They played the Islanders. And we played the Washington Warriors, another disabled team, and we won. Uh, So I just want to throw that (laughs) From there, we go to Las Vegas for the national championships, the Warrior uh, Championships. Wow. And uh, we win. Nice. So we became home champions from Vegas. And so it's just been a wonderful program. Uh, Just as the NHL players, when they retired, they missed the dressing room. Well, the military guys – they miss their units. They miss their buddies, their comrades that they battled with and trained with and lived with, and then all of a sudden they they're, they retire from the military and they go live in a subdivision that looks very nice and so on. But there's no one around to talk. There's no like-minded military people for the most part. That's their neighbors and so on. And so we share a lot. We have a lot in common, uh, both uh, physically and and mentally. Uh, there's a lot of similarities, a lot of scenarios. So this team has been able able for us to bring the military guys, the veterans, together, and they're having the time of their lives. And some of them are having a difficult time in in the hockey hockey dressing room, the hockey practices, and so on has really made a difference for them. And so we've got three teams now. Uh, We've gone from a learn-to-skate, learn-to-play program. Uh, We have three full teams now, Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3. And we just uh, put a bid in to host the Warrior Classic ourselves, and so we won the bid. And so November five to seven, in uh, at Skate Zone in Philadelphia. Well, actually, we got five ice surfaces. It's so big. Uh, we're hosting the national championships. So there you go. Wow. Warriors in a nutshell.
0: I was I was trying to. I was kind of wondering whether you were kind of more of a Herb Brooks type coach or a Mike Keenan type coach. But when you mentioned the bag skate, then I, I think I've I figured that out uh, right off the hop. Yeah. Um, but these guys are these they they come from all all parts of the military. They're disciplined. They're demanding of themselves and probably demanding of you too. Can you talk about the kind of um, relationship um, and 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 what you get out of being, being part of this group, being part of this unit as, as you described it.
2: Well I, I look at it as we, we have 70 to 80 uh, people on the that are warriors um, and I got 70 to 80 new friends and mm-hmm. there's not a day that goes by that I don't talk to a handful of them uh, on various things. Um, it's just been as I said, it's just been a wonderful experience I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, coaching them and, and getting to know them, getting in better shape. And we have so many success stories from uh, guys that, you know, they just they feel so good finally about, you know, working out again, playing hockey, meeting, you know, like-minded people that all of a sudden their home life is better. Uh, all of a sudden uh, they've got a new job because they have confidence again and so on and so on. Some of these guys are broken down and you know they they wouldn't mind me saying that because that's what some of them are and it's just been wonderful and so you know we're improving lives through the game of hockey but this program is more than just hockey it incorporates the whole family like the, the wives the warriors wives get together they have their own functions they go out bowling they go to a wine night and so on and so on and we have tailgate parties after our uh, practices and and so on and They throw a party, man. All of a sudden, there's 10 barbecues set up. There's a beer. There's play pens in the parking lot with the kids, with the babies, you know, running around in them. And it's just, we've created a community. And now these guys are helping each other through whatever difficult times some of them may or may not have. Um, We have have behavioral health set up for all of the Warrior players, their wives and their kids. Um, It's just been a wonderful program. And that came through. Our alumni, we have a fantasy camp every year, and one of our campers, uh, a huge Flyer fan, grew up in in Philadelphia. He lives in Dallas now. He came to the camp, uh, fantasy camp for the first time, and we had just started the the Warriors, and so I got up and I gave a really nice speech or talk about the Warriors and how great they are, and he went home and he started following the Warriors and what we do with them. So then he called me up and said... uh, this is my company. We're a uh, we're a behavioral health company, and I want to I want to help. And so he went and talked to his the owner of the company, wow. the CEO, and and uh, so anyhow, that's how it started. Flyer fan loves what the flyer alumni are doing. Loves the Flyers warriors, and his company now has extended free uh, behavioral health for all of the warriors. Wow. And, uh that's tremendous. Really, yeah, what's really cool too, if I can, is. Uh, our program has been so successful that we're now helping other, uh, other cities, uh, other NHL teams wow. start a warrior program. So St. Louis and New York Islanders have just started a warrior program. They're following our model. And uh, the St. Louis program has had huge success. And uh, and so we just uh, offered to them um, the same mental health program, behavioral health program that we have. And so now the St. Louis Warriors have access to the mental health as well. So uh, that program, yeah, the program is going to continue to be funded by the Flyers alumni and the Flyers Warriors. And it's our goal or it's our dream or vision to able to be able to extend that to all Warrior hockey teams in the United States.
1: That's, that's absolutely outstanding. Um, and, and as you mentioned, the, the, the NH, uh, the Flyers alumni, uh, group is still, even though your, your goal for the Warriors hockey is to be self-sufficient, the, the, the Flyers alumni group is still very supportive and still very, very involved with the success of the Warriors as well, correct?
2: Yeah. Um, as I said, I, I oversee the program and I coach all the teams and, uh, but our alumni, you know, we made a decision as a board and, and as a membership that uh, uh, the Warriors are going to be one of the programs that we support uh, year after year, and um, and so we actually have a um, a big donation uh, this this uh, upcoming Sunday or past Sunday when I go on. <laughs> When's this podcast? Next Tuesday. <laughs> so yeah, People, your, your fans, your listeners, that's go okay. Get we're taping in advance. Um, that's right. I hope I didn't let a cat out of the bag. You didn't. There. That's okay. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to make a donation of twenty five thousand dollars to the uh, to the Flyers Warriors Hockey Club um, after our exhibition game uh, this this weekend or this past weekend. Uh, we're going to give them twenty five grand and and that's just to go in their coffers so they can continue to grow the program and continue to do, uh, to all the, all the great things that they have also done. And what's really neat is, you know, they, they've also mimicked a lot of stuff that our alumni does. And so they will go out and speak at schools, uh, you know, on, uh, in and around veterans day in and around Memorial day. Um, they'll go out and do hockey clinics and talk to kids and, uh, um, we, they'll go out and they'll play. We have, the Flyers have a special needs, autism, autism team. And the, the, we went out and we played them. The Warriors played them in a fun exhibition game. It was a riot. We also, the, the Flyers, we have a power play wheelchair team. Uh, these, these, these athletes are amazing. They play, they, they're hockey fans, huge hockey fans. They can't play hockey, unfortunately, because, you know, they were born with, uh, uh they were born with, um, they have special needs. I, don't, I'm at a, I can't think of the proper term, and you never want to say something out of hand because everyone comes back and yells at you. Um, but anyhow, they all have special needs, spina bifida, muscular dystrophy, and so on and so on. But they play the game of hockey in their power wheelchair. And our alumni has done a lot with them as well uh, financially, and we go and play them all the time. We've never, <laughs> we've never beat them. <laughs> their, their top players are so skilled with the stick and the ball. It's unbelievable and they play in their wheelchair and we play against them and we have manual wheelchairs of course. Uh-huh. Uh but anyhow it's a it's a riot. They're great guys and uh our, our the Warriors have played against them uh, a couple times, you know, just to keep it all in the family and so I'm telling y'all this because, you know, the Warriors yes, they've very fortunate that they got the grant from the NHL and the Flyers, and our alumni is is uh, is helping them out as well. But they actively fundraise, they put on events, and uh, but they're also giving back to the community. It's really it's really a wonderful program.
1: One other initiative. Speaking of, you know, you you mentioned how involved the alumni group is in in the community for Philadelphia, raising raising funds and other and other um, initiatives. Before we let you go today, um, I also wanted to to just touch on a, a somewhat newer initiative um, that is starting to, to get a bit of traction, um, which I think just has a tremendous story behind it, and it's, it's the Every Child Deserves a Bike initiative. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that? I know it started with a a, a young lady around Christmas time where, where uh, the group got together to, to present her with a specialized uh, bike custom custom made for her to get around and, and be able to, to bicycle as a child who has special needs, but this is now becoming a, a regular uh, initiative that the alumni group wants to do, correct?
2: Correct. And it's, it's awesome. It's going to be, I'm an avid bike rider. Um, I ride my bike several hundred miles a week and (laughs) thousands of miles a year going rides and going races and I'm in one tomorrow 125 miles. I don't know what the heck I was thinking when I signed up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm an avid bike rider and uh, I just love when my grandkids I that's grandpa's first gift obviously a pair of skates but when they get you know when they get a little bigger the first gift is it's grandpa's grandpa's bike grandpa's giving them a bike and so oh boy uh, anyhow um you're right I, I went to an event and met met uh, uh, the, the, the charity is called help hope live and the event was is they purchased a bike for a special needs uh, uh, child and and this child they had to pedal the bike the pedals were with his arms and so he would pet they specially designed the bike, and it was just such a wonderful visual to see this little guy riding around the bike. Mm-hmm. And so I said to the lady Kelly, Kelly Green from Help Hope Live, and I said, "I'm going to give you a call tomorrow." So I called her and said, "Okay, uh, how much does a bike cost?" And she says, four to six thousand dollars." I says, "Okay, our alumni, we're going to buy a bike. Find me, find me somebody in the Philly area, and we'll buy a bike. And uh, can you get it done by Christmas time?" Yes. So anyhow, the bike is finally done on December twenty fourth. It's delivered December twenty fourth. Wow. And so I called Joe Watson up and Jim Watson up and I says, Meet me, meet me here at this address. <laughs> Lucy Brooks is the little girl's name. Yes. And so we go to Lucy's house and, and there's a box out in the driveway and and, uh, and so we show up and and it, you know what's so cool is is these are flyer fans through and through they got the flyers uh, flag hanging from their house so that like they didn't put it up because mom and dad knew we were coming over. It's up there. It's part of (laughs) it. And the kids come out, they all got flyers gear on flyer, this on, then the dog comes running out. The dog's got a flyer t-shirt. on. (laughs) Flyer fans through and through, not that it would have made a difference, but it was really cool to pull up. And so it was so neat to see Lucy get on the bike and start pedaling. Uh, her mom and dad are crying, everybody's Aww. crying. Oh my goodness, it was wonderful. And Joe Watson's pushing her, you know, while she got the hang of it, she's going faster, faster, faster. <laughs> Joe's 78 years old, he couldn't go any faster. <laughs> so, get out of here. so it was just wonderful. So I said to the lady, Kelly, from Help Hope Live, I said, I'll call you after Christmas. And so I called called her after Christmas and said, okay, here's what we're doing. I, I ran my idea by the board, and they said go for it. And uh, um, so heres I said to Kelly, uh, here's my idea. I want to buy a bike once a month. So you find me the kids, order the bikes, and uh, we're going to call this campaign Every Child Deserves a Bike. And we are it's going to be social a social campaign. We're just going out to Flyer fans and say, hey, Flyer fans, make a donation. Every kid Every Child Deserves a Bike, Help Us Build Bikes. And so we're launching it today, and uh, we're launching it on uh, Friday, or last Friday. And uh, it's just going to, I'm so excited about this campaign, and we've already got two bikes ordered, and we've already got their, our next two kids picked out. And, uh, and Lucy is going to be a little spokesperson for the campaign. <laughs> And everybody that makes a donation, we got a really cool T-shirt that everybody's going to get. a Every child deserves a bike T-shirt. And uh, so it's cool. I'm very excited about it. And um, I can't wait to get it up and running and get some bikes out to, to more and more kids.
0: That's tremendous.
1: It really is. I, it's As soon as I saw the first, uh, first uh, inklings of it that this was going to become a regular thing, I, that's just something... That, Flyers Warrior initi- Warriors Initiative is is something that uh, Rick and I and all of us here at Rocket Sports certainly can get behind. Um, I know I come from a, a, a long uh, family with a long military history. Uh, Rick, I believe, has has oh. military history in his family as well. So that that initiative near and dear, but but also this every child deserves a bike. It's just wonderful. Um, and it, this is the the types of things that um, you know perhaps perhaps we're a little biased. We try not to be, but the Flyers alumni group really does some tremendous work within the community. And uh, Brad, we can't thank you uh, and and all of your, your colleagues and former teammates uh, for all of the work that you do.
2: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'll put a plug in for NHL alumni in general, as I said earlier, <clears throat> that I'm involved with the NHL. I'm on their board. And right now there's 31 teams in the NHL, 32 with Seattle coming in next year. Um, There's 31 alumni chapters that are just as active as the Flyers alumni. Uh, Yes, some are a little better than others and, you know, some could do a little bit more. But there's 31 teams that are active throughout North America with their former players. And each one of those teams is making a huge difference in the communities in which they they're stationed or they live in now, uh, Seattle, uh, what are they called? The Kraken. Kraken. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we already have established a couple of alumni guys that live in that area. So the Krakens, uh, they attended our last alumni meeting. So they're up and running. So we have 32 alumni chapters. Uh, we also have one in Quebec who does not have a team anymore. Uh, but they still have a chapter there. And, uh, uh, so, We are head and shoulders above the other professional sports, the former hockey players, the NHL alumni, each individual chapters. We're miles ahead of the other sports. Mm. They don't even come close to what NHL hockey players, former NHL hockey players do in the various communities. And so, uh, yes, thank you for your kind words with the Flyers alumni, but... Hockey's a great sport, and we have great individuals that have played it for so many years. And those, you know, I like to say, too, <clears throat> Reggie Leach, former flyer, you know, 50-goal scorer, mm-hmm. River, ribbing, Riverton Rifle is what they call <laughs> him. Um, but Reggie was inducted into the Order of Canada last year, or two years ago, 2019, uh, which signifies somebody that has gone above, over and above um, on what they do in, in Canada. Highest uh, civilian the, award. Yeah, highest civilian award. And uh, he was at our golf tournament when the word came out. And I said at the time, I said, you know, I know everybody here is here because we're Flyers, and you remember what I did for the Flyers and what Reggie and what all this they did for the Flyers. But there's so many alumni guys, so many fire alumni and so many alumni guys in general that will be remembered for what they did in retirement more so than what they did during their careers. And there's so many good hockey, great hockey players that fit that bill. And uh, so anyhow, very well we're, said, we're a good group of guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if, if any of our listeners want to um, donate or, or, Help out, or even learn more about um, either making a donation for Every Child Deserves a Bike, or any of your other initiatives, or or wants to get involved with Flyers Warriors. What's the best way for them to do that?
2: Well, the best way is to go on our brand new website, FlyersAlumni.net. Brand new, and they can read all about the Flyers, and we'll be keeping, we'll be updating it all the time with our events, upcoming events, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we've got a big alumni weekend coming up in, in the in the summertime. And uh, and on uh, flyersalumni.net, um, they'll just scroll down and they'll see the picture of, of uh, Lucy and Every Child Deserves a Bike campaign. Then just click it and got a really neat story on there about Lucy and her family. It's really cool. Perfect. And then, of course, you'll see the great big oversized donate button. <laughs> donate button, the donation button.
1: And if if anyone wants more information about the Flyers Warriors, um, what's what's the best co- way for them to do that?
2: Well, the Flyers Warriors website is ongoing, so I can't direct you to a website. But they're very active uh, in social media. Okay. Or just send a just send a message uh, to uh, Flyers Alumni website there, and, and we'll get it over to them.
1: Perfect. So we'll make sure that we have links to to all of that in, uh, in the article post that will accompany this podcast. Um, Brad, we can't thank you enough for taking some time to talk, uh, reminisce a little bit about uh, your hockey career, but also tell us about these tremendous initiatives that you're involved with and all of the great work that you do.
2: Well, I appreciate that. And thanks very much. And uh, all the best.
0: You too, Brad.
1: I have to say, Rick, um, that was an entertaining conversation. And I just absolutely adore the initiatives, uh, both that that Flyers alumni are doing, um, but also love the work that Brad Marsh is doing with Flyers Warriors. Um, it is just such a great uh, concept. It is. And I, I just I can't wait to learn more about it. Uh, they'll definitely be having my support um, and uh, just a really great conversation with Brad. We're, we're so grateful that he took the time out to talk with us today.
0: The Flyers alumni and the the bike program um, himself, Brad Marsh, uh, uh, biking 125 miles. Um, the Flyers warriors. He's involved in the head coach and and yet uh, you know you bring up that. Uh, conversation about him and, and Mel Bridgman and, and right away he's remembering it like he's seeing it all over again yeah. <laughs> and Ben Wilson. And, and, uh, uh, it was just a fascinating conversation. Really glad to talk to him.
1: Absolutely. And we will be sure to have him back. Uh, we'll be sure we'll also, you know, make our way to a Flyers Warriors game here sometime soon and talk to some of the players themselves. Uh, really just fascinating stories. And, uh, we encourage you, uh, be sure you check, um, as we mentioned in, in the interview, uh, if you look at the article for this um, for this podcast on the website, if you go to ahlreport.com and you find this podcast episode's uh, post, you will find all of the links to the Flyers Warrior, to uh, the flyersalumni.net, the new website that Brad Mark marsh mentioned as well as a direct link to the every child deserves a bike uh fundraising initiative and uh i highly encourage you to if if for no other reason share that information with your friends and go check out lucy's story um she's just a she's just a sweetheart and it's just such a great story so thanks again to brad marsh for joining us Thank you for uh, being here. We are going to take one last quick break. When we come back, we're going to go around the AHL and introduce you to this week's CCM AHL Player of the Week. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a minute. Follow along on Twitter at The AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's The AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL report and rocket sports media. Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson joined by my co-host Rick Stevens. You can find me at flyers rule on Twitter. You can find Rick at all Habs, and you can find this podcast at the press zone. So make sure that you are following us there. It's a great place, a great central place to get all of the latest rocket sports media offerings and content and news and, and new updates about this podcast. Um, of course, in this segment, we go around the AHL, and the first thing we want to do every week is introduce you to this week's CCM AHL Player of the Week. And uh, this week, I'm sorry, Rick, it's not a goaltender. Oh no, it's not. Got to give the forwards some a roll fun. Going on. I know we did, we did. But this week, it is Tucson Roadrunners forward Michael Carconi, who has scored six goals in two games for Tucson last week. Uh, more than doubling his season output in just over 24 hours according to the league.
0: All right,
1: it's pretty good. Uh, he entered the weekend with one goal in his previous 17 games and then went on to force to score four times on Friday night, took 11 of Tucson's 52 shots on goal the most in a game by any AHL team this season. Uh, and and they lost that game 8 to 6 to San Diego well you know <laughs> um it was uh, his third career hat trick um and then on Saturday he scored two more times and uh including a game winner
0: it, it, it's, it's pretty good yeah it is it's not been a great season for uh the road runners um but to have him you know there's been all kinds of very unusual sharing arrangements going on this season just because mm-hmm. of of this being an odd year um he's he's on loan to the road run runners Uh, affiliate with Arizona, of course, um, from Nashville. Um, So uh, somebody from outside the organization coming in a a group, not having a great season. And it's, it's just a feel good kind of uh, story that uh, he's able to contribute.
1: Absolutely. So congratulations to him. Uh, We'll see who is going to be this week's AHL player of the week. You got to come back and listen to next week's show to find out. Sorry. Um, take speaking of uh teams around the league let's take a quick look at the standings um the atlantic division i don't know that those i don't know if that is ever going to change um bridgeport is having a tremendously awful season uh it's it's been a rough one for them they are 3 12 and 1 on the season it is oh it's kind of sad to see it continue to happen um so Providence is still sitting, uh, sitting up on handily up on top there. Hartford is actually um, has has kind of surged back a little bit. They were more sitting towards the bottom there. Uh, with Bridgeport, um, but they're they're starting to kind of make a push. They're nine six and one now. Um, we'll see if they're able to catch Providence before all is said and done. Uh, in the North Division, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, uh, who are currently in another COVID uh, nineteen protocol uh, shutdown, uh, they still at this point are leading uh, the North Division uh, with Hershey hot on their heels, of course. Um, two big rivals there and they're, they're jockeying for first and second position. Uh, of course in the Canadian division, Laval, uh, handily in first, uh, first place there, uh, with Manitoba at an even 500 winning percentage in second place. Um, and then Rick, the central and Pacific divisions, I feel like those have not moved a whole lot. Um, Chicago
0: Chicago on top.
1: Yeah. Chicago on top and Henderson handily on top. Um, it's we we were even just talking in the break. Um, you know, you've got in the North Division. Utica has played eleven games this season. Utica has really been affected by by COVID nineteen shutdowns and pauses and so forth. Eleven games for Utica so far. Um,
0: Fifteen games for Cleveland. Uh, Twenty nine games. You know, doubling it uh, for San Diego. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's a wide variation of of uh, number of games played and and as they. They said at least the divisions uh, would be decided by points percentage or winning percentage, mm-hmm. um, and they are th- sorted that way on the website when you go there. Uh, because um, you know th- there's no way to equalize out the number of games, but um, you know for uh, for teams that uh, we're familiar with, uh, it means there's there's uh, maybe not that many games left. No,
1: not at all. Um, in fact, you know, if you to talk more about, you know, how how much that winning percentage is going to come into play, uh, whether or not there is uh, there, the AHL still hasn't definitively said there won't be some sort of. Uh, Postseason play, we just have no idea yet what that's going to be, if anything at all. Um, we, you definitely want to be sure that you come back for next week's show. Uh, we are, uh, we'll have a special guest, our our friend and colleague Patrick Williams will be joining us again. He's, you know, the central knowledge for everything going on in the AHL, so he's going to get us all caught up to speed on, you know, what these standings, uh, you know, at this point in time look like. If he's heard anything about uh, postseason and so forth, you're not going to want to miss that show. Uh, he'll be with us next week. Um, so yeah, th- I mean, there are still there's still room for for teams to to go at each other and and make a play for some of these standings. But uh, time is actually really running out. I think Laval only has twelve games left or something like that. Uh, Lehigh Valley doesn't have a whole heck of a lot left either. Um, it's it's uh, for Laval yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going quickly, and and the middle of May is going to be here before you know it. Um, so, with that, um, our feel good finale this week is more is is less uh, of an uplifting story in terms of a feel good finale, but more in terms of we there's someone that we're just wishing will feel good. Uh, former. Montreal Canadiens prospect Nikita Sherbak has has we've talked before about how uh, he's had a, a kind of a roller coaster of a professional career over the last number of years, but he's been playing for the Texas Stars in the AHL, um, and he um, whew, suffered a very ghastly looking injury earlier this week, uh, which he proudly posted on social media. Um, both
0: did he have to?
1: <laughs> I. Oh, like I took one look at it and I was like, Oh dear Lord, Nikita and then and then it wouldn't go away off my tweet deck column and it was just there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Could you please? Okay, I need to stop looking at that. It was a side by side of of you could tell he was he was really hazy in the eyes. It was in the in an, either in the medical staff room or at the hospital with just He's got a complete gash from the corner of his mouth all the way down the side of his cheek. Uh, more teeth missing, I think. Um,
0: so much so that his jaw is exposed, and he's yeah. he's uh, hashtagged it, hashtag Joker. So that'll give you some idea of, of what it looks like.
1: Uh-huh. At least, I mean, good, uh, I guess... Once the second the second photo was a very I I guess the next day with his entire face stitched up Um, so I guess at that point all you can do is is try to find a little humor in it with the the Joker hashtag but uh, so our feel good finale is we're wishing Nikita Sherbak is feeling good um, and feeling better on his road to recovery just glad whatever happened in that in that accident. As far as on the ice, we're just glad to see that it wasn't a more serious uh, injury than that. It could have been very scary.
0: And his wife, Lori, uh, thought it would be a good time to send to Nikita pictures of baby goats for sale. And she said, uh, can we buy these? And he said, no. She said, does, does that mean yes? No, no. So she was she was hoping that the effects of the oh, painkillers really were going to get her some goats, uh, baby uh, goats. Apparently but not. No.
1: Don't they? They have a baby. They have a, a very yeah, small yeah, baby as do, it is. I don't do. think she needs baby goats right now. Lori doesn't look doesn't seem like the baby goat kind of person. But but okay, mm-hmm. all right. Um so wishing a speedy re- speedy recovery to Nikita Sherbak those injuries are always oh they're just always so scary. Uh so Rick uh if people do want to come back next week and catch Another great episode of The Press Zone. Catch that special interview with uh, our, our guest Patrick Williams next week. What's the best way? I, I would imagine that if they subscribe, if they haven't done so already, then they'll just get a notification when the new episode airs.
0: Exactly. So whatever app you're using, your favorite, your very favorite podcast app, make sure you're subscribed to The Press Zone. And uh, if you would like to go back and, and catch um, uh, back episodes, uh, previous episodes, uh, you can do that on the app, or you can go to our website, thepresszone.com, or our new website, thepresszone.fm. And, uh, and both will give you the, the library of, of episodes to go through and, and, uh, and uh, catch up on some listening.
1: Fantastic. I highly recommend you do it. Really. It makes life easier for you. You don't have to go find it. It just comes to you. And you don't ever want to miss an episode. So with that, uh, we wish you a very good week of hockey. Please be safe. Um, And lots more is going to be happening this week. We'll see what happens with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, with the Laval Rocket, with the Habs, with the Flyers, with all of them uh, before next week's episode. And you know that we'll have all the news for you right here at the Press Zone. And we'll see you then.